You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Hi, buddy. How are you doing? I'm very great today, actually. Very happy. <laughs> great. Yeah. Jeez, what are you happy about today? Just can see that's how economy is growing and how much unicorn we have on BC. 11 unicorn. It's just fantastic to see how this startup is growing. But don't you think that 11 is not much yet? Yeah, it seems like a, like you know maybe to us eleven isn't that maybe you know to most people eleven isn't is is quite a number. But yeah, when we're in the startup community, you know both of you and I've been in the startup community for quite a while. You know, have started some multiple different things, and you go look at other areas around the the world, and you look at different areas in the United States, across Europe, and elements, and you see this is not the norm. Usually, it's a, a lot more. Why are we not growing fast enough? Like. We seem to have a good understanding of growing businesses from small to medium-sized businesses. We, you know, we know our GDP is based on 98% of you know, small, medium-sized business. But why are we not getting to the next level? What's the challenge? What are the factors? Why a lot of startups, they go to South? Why do you not stay in Canada? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big challenge. I just don't understand why that is. Is it, is it a finance gap? Is it a government regulation gap? Where are the challenges there? And why are we not seeing more and more unicorns? We should be probably seeing double or triple the amount of unicorns that are coming out of Vancouver's based on even like the tech companies that are coming to Vancouver. Like, why are they not staying and why are they not growing their business here? I think that we have a guest today that can help us to have a better understanding of what is, this, what is the challenge of a scale up in Canada. We want to welcome to Sheldon Levy, the president of University of Canada West. Let's welcome Sheldon Levy to the Innovation Fuel podcast. Yes, Sheldon, again, I'm very excited to have you back on Innovation Fuel. We want to pick up, Sheldon, in our last conversation. We started down the pathway of scale-up and the challenges that we face in Canada around scale-up. And one of the things we talked about was the educational piece and the lack of talent in the market. And talk about more about elementary, post-secondary, and both international and domestic side of things. And, and how can we contribute to this element? Where do we need to start from? Where do we need to start helping build that talent pool? Well, first of all, thanks for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. As you know, I'm right now the interim president of University of Canada West. My career has been almost always in uh, the university or college sector, mostly the university sector. I started out at York University, then became the president of Sheridan College, and then I went to the University of Toronto as their vice president, and then I was the president of Ryerson University. And after that, I was the deputy minister in the province of Ontario for higher education and then would say uh, semi-retired and all of a sudden the opportunity to join colleagues at University Canada West came up and so here I am but really nice to see you and Gloria today. Sheldon there was a white paper of you that published about getting to a scale. Yeah thank you very much. The uh, getting to scale paper was a work I did for the minister in uh, the federal government. The minister had the responsibility at that time for small business as well as uh, international trade. And the government asked me at that time 
would I take on the job of really interviewing CEOs of companies that were, you could say, 50 plus employees that had all the metrics that they could scale to own the podium, as the government says, or consider it to be billion dollar companies. But too often, what we're seeing in Canada was the companies that seemed to have the trajectory, somehow many of them didn't make it. Many of them ended up in uh, the United States. And the question was, what could we do as a country to better perform in scaling our companies? So I wasn't with startups, was really with companies that were already at a scale. That was the essence of the report. I went from literally coast to coast and interviewed some amazing, amazing company leaders. What we found, Galeria and Dave, really repeating what others found. You know, there wasn't that we found the magic bullet. We found that getting the talent was a real, real challenge. But what we did was that we really understood earlier report by Mike Lazaridis that it wasn't talent only at what you could call the right from university or college. It was also intermediate challenge. The uh, CFO who had scaled a company to a multi-billion dollar company company and new international markets, they were missing that person as well. The other issue that came up was the difficulty of entering Canadian markets. I don't know how many people I heard that said, it's easier for me to go into the United States than it was in Canada. And it was everything from the difficulty of RFPs, but it went beyond that. But it was that if we weren't going to champion our companies, The question is, if you're so good, why didn't your own country buy you? It was access to our own markets by our own Canadian companies. And the third area was financing. But where it was interesting for me was that it was more than venture financing. It was the opportunity to be able to get debt financing for what you could call intangible products. So a number of companies could get venture funding, but they kept on having to give away, if you like, part of the company or shares in the company to get the funding. And what they really wanted was to be able to get debt funding. And then they would say, you know, you come with intangibles or knowledge-based products. The banks were very, very difficult in securing debt financing for the intangible products. And yet we are now in a world of the intangible economy or the knowledge-based economy. And there was a mismatch, what you could say, between the bank's loaning profile and the company's needs. So what did we find in, in summary? Talent, markets, money. But if I said to any entrepreneur, what do you need? They'll say people, markets, and money. You know, and when you talk about that, Sheldon, like you do see institutions rising to occasions. So you do see institutions come along and they create a program alongside with businesses and they move forward with it. But the challenge that I see happening, and I don't know if you see the same thing, is is that the great divide starts to happen, meaning they don't adapt the program over time to meet the continuous needs of the employer or the future needs of the employer. And the same program keeps on going and going and going, thinking I'm filling this market void, but really it's getting further and further away from the actual challenge in the market and the employer's need. Well, the report referencing, Dave, is one that was specific to talent, markets and financing as well. What did that report find? The same as what my report found and the same as the report before it, the same as the Lazaridis report. And it probably goes back 10 years 
we keep on finding the same issue with regard to what people will call the talent gap. There was a report time ago, I can't remember the exact title, but people without jobs and jobs without people. That's the talent gap as well. Yesterday, you mentioned in some of your meeting that talent is a monster. We can face difficult talents, but also there is a lot of deregulations on attracting global talent. And what do you think what the challenges is for small and medium-sized businesses or growing businesses to access to the global talents? My report concluded that we needed talent from internationally as well as domestically, and that we shouldn't think that any one was the solution. We needed both. So it's very clear by the government's own policy that new Canadians or new people coming to our country that have the skills necessary are part of the solution, as is domestic students and domestic our Canadians being part of the solution. So it's not an either or issue. If I could answer a a slightly different question, if I could even almost pose my question, because it's something I've been giving thought to. You could say easily, well, it was in 2015, 2017, 2019, 2022. Is no one listening? Is everyone tone deaf? What's going on? So here's my analysis. It's rather, I'd call it new. Initially, I thought to myself that, you know, it was like the frog, you know, the the boiling frog, that it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And because it's still alive, we think it all is good. And then all of a sudden the frog dies. I thought it was that type of scenario. And then I thought about it and I thought that's really unfair. I thought that, in fact, the analogy it was the wrong analogy. So I reinvented a new one, and it's it's actually being published, so I will share it with you now. I liken it to uh, the mechanical hare and the greyhound. And if you know that race, out goes the, the mechanical hare, and the greyhound goes chasing and chasing and chasing. Now imagine for a moment that it, the track is of infinite size, or let's say very, very long. That means the hare keeps on going, and the, and the, and, and the groundhog never catches up. And so what in this analogy is the hair? The hair is the changing nature of the economy. We, UCW, U of T, all of us are the greyhound. And of course, we're running fast. We're changing programs. If you look at the programs at universities and colleges, They're fundamentally different than they were 20 years ago, but we run and run and run and run and run. But the industry is evolving faster than we're able to run. So it keeps on seeming like there's a gap, but the gap is not one that is ever going to be filled the way we're doing it. And in some ways, it's a good thing. Why is it a good thing? It means that industry keeps on growing and needing more and more of knowledge-based talent. But it's also a bad thing. And here's where I'm, I'm beginning to think through these things, and it is really debatable, by the way. And it's this. Is it time for Canada to not become the greyhound, but become the hare? And that means that we will actually be providing a surplus of talent. And that means industry will see Canada as the location of talent rather than the need. So you ask yourself, well, that's a great idea, but how would we do it? How would we do that? And here's my provocative answer. The way we are structured, we can't, plain and simple. 
And with that, I am asking a question. Do we need new types of institutions in our country? Do we need institutions that are co-developed with industry, not as a partner looking out from the outside inside, but do we need industry to be part of us. And maybe just you might want to think of something really, really crazy. What happens if government funded industry and universities and we were accountable to industry that was our board? And if you don't like that idea, could you please tell me an idea that is better than what we're doing? Or do you think it's good enough to be the greyhound? If you agree, being the greyhound is not good enough, and you agree with me that being the rabbit is a lot better strategy for the country, then tell me how we are going to do that. And if you say, well, we'll just continue to do what we're doing, then what evidence is there that we'll ever do anything but keep running and running and running and be behind? So the real challenge out there is to ask ourselves, do we need new types of institutions that are structured differently than the present ones? So that's a bit of a preview, Dave and Galeria, of, of thinking. And it's interesting you say that because there's a couple of different things that come to mind for me. Number one, I see industry like KPMG and large consulting firms that are starting to build their own institutions inside their organizations to do exactly what you're saying, Sheldon. And the other challenge is the way that we go about building programs, the way that we do these things is broken because the time and effort to build these programs anywhere, look anywhere across any different province, is the same thing. It's a time and effort to do it. And it's not. And it could be aligned with industry, but but it quickly becomes disaligned with industry because, again, we're, those industries are evolving so rapidly. And first of all, even if the regulator was uh, a call it perfect, it's still not good enough. We have to be better. So we have to own our share of the accountability and every university and college has to own it. And the question I keep on going back to, are they built to own it or are we better to reinvent an institution that is custom built to be the rabbit, right? The moment that you say, remove some hurdles, and the moment that you make it easier, then all of those things are really saying, we're going to take more risk. We're going to be faster by assuming a level of risk. Why our regulation is, is trying to get the risk to society down to zero. Okay. So now you open up one part of the risk thing. And then you take some risk, bad things will happen. Something will mistake. Something will break. It's just natural. Okay. Then it breaks. And then social media, the newspapers, what do they talk about? They talk about the things that broke, right? And the government says, holy mackerel, I have to get elected. I don't think I'm getting elected by things that, that are working, unelected by things that are breaking. And then you have to ask yourself, what don't you want to risk? Best you could say, it's the health of you and I and the society. It's the issues of pharmaceuticals and all that. Then you say, well, thumbs up. And then you look what's going on today. And a whole part of society is saying, yeah, we know what you're doing. We want you to take more risk, right? Just thinking the regulator has a magic answer to it is extremely, extremely difficult. So where you have to be more precise on the type of risk you're willing to take, you can't just say regulator and take more risk. And then you have to ask, okay, 
who's accountable. And I could tell you being an administrator for so, so long, everyone wants to take risk, but no one wants to take the accountability of the risk. When it all fails, it lands on my desk. And that's okay. But at the same time, I don't get elected. I'm either hired or fired. These are like the real discussion society has to have. But let me take you back to the uh, last market crash. And if you remember, Lehman's went under and uh, many banks were in the subprime and uh, Canada stood tall. In fact, I remember walking around with a badge in my mind. Our banks are strong, right? Well, our banks are strong because of strong regulation that didn't take the risk that had the problem in the United States. So you say, well... So how does this work, uh, President Guy? Well, you want risk, and you're walking around with risk, and then you're walking around with a badge, our banks are strong, and then you write a report that uh, says our banks should take more risk in lending, in, in debt lending to startups. You want it every way. You want it, and the truth is I do. That's the truth. I want it every way, and so does everyone want it every way. So we have to really come to terms. You can't have it every way. And what are we willing to give up to have something else? This is a Canadian challenge. If I could be bold to say the best country in the world, and we've done amazingly well right? So this isn't a country that that starts off broken. This is a country that wants to aspire to even be better. Now, as Jim Basili will remind us over and over again, we are in the knowledge-based economy and we have policies that are by and large in a tangible economy, call it buildings and bridges, right? And we are struggling, whether it's intellectual property that we're struggling with, or whether it's privacy, GDPR-like things, we are struggling to move into the new economy. And I think what all the reports are saying and what the metaphor of the hare and the, and the tortoise is saying is that let's take a jump and take smart risk and let's become the hare, but let's recognize that some of the structures that we have are not built in the way for us to become the hare and stop twisting old things, trying to make them new, because some of the old things work extremely well for what they were built for. Is it time to build new things for the new economy? Perfect, because I was had the same questions about what do you think we can call it Canadian national competitiveness and which area we really need to focus on? Well, I think one of the, the things that I see, especially at UCW, I, I saw it when I was deputy, but boy, do I see it here. And that is a country that is welcoming to everyone in the world, a country of, of a very strong immigration policy, a country where we have a charter of rights and freedom that apply to everyone who comes into our country. Boy, do we have the basis to be I would say the Wayne Gretzky or Ronaldo for, uh, for Galeria, <laughs> right? And so if you say that talent is the key at the end of it, boy, the, I mean, you're talking about the best country in the world. I'm prejudiced and uh, apologize to any other, other, that we can do it. We can do it. We can own the podium. There's no doubt in my mind. 
but but we all have to believe it. You know, if any part of our society doesn't believe it, we're not Team Canada. I love it, Sheldon. I think actually, you know, I think we should recruit Elon Musk to come help us <laughs> in changing our ways. Uh, but again, a great conversation today, Sheldon. I think and you picked up a couple of things that I'd like to pick up in another podcast. We talked about there were some elements around the Canadian financial institution. I think that we should pick up again around right. the risk element there. I'd love to pick that up again. But we're out of time today. But before okay. we get done today, my friend, we need to throw out a challenge to our students here. Throw a challenge to our students for them to think about around this challenge with talent and labor and what, what, what Canada needs to do. Maybe our students can help in sort of thinking about what's the next evolution here. Terrific, Dave, because the answer is the observation is that we need new young minds and new minds, period, because it's clearly that I've been around this five to ten times. Isn't it time to ask others to help us? And what I would say to the students as a challenge, if you could invent a new type of institution that you wanted to attend, that would equip you with careers of the future, that would integrate it with industry, what elements of that institution would you have? And what role would industry play for it? So reimagine post-secondary and put you in the middle of it and say, I want to go there because at the end of it, I am assured a career in the areas where the, where, where the country needs me, where I will help close the gap and help the prosperity of the country. What do we need? Thank you. listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.ucanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.